Welcome to Church Online. I am so excited that you have joined us this morning. I'm Pastor Matt. I pray that our worship will be exciting and uplifting. I pray that the ministry of the Word will work in your heart and that the Lord will do something special. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy the service. Well, let's jump in here. Church Life, week two. Week one, Church Life, we talked about church family. What does that mean? What is a church family? And so highlighting family in scripture and seeing the importance uh, that the Lord put on this gathering. This, this, is, this is the church, right? It's, it's like the called out, the, the word, the Greek word ekklesia, the called out assembling of believers is what we know as the church. And so this church is like churches across the world, millions that call uh, this man and this God uh, by the name of Jesus that worship him and that have prioritized him in their life and have given them, given him their life and declared their loyalty. They assemble these followers that come together. They assemble in assemblies called churches. And so church life is this life that we live together in community. And so we talked about about, uh, why church is important to God. It is a familial thing. It is a family thing. It, it has the connotation or carries the connotation of a marriage, whereas the church is the bride of who? Christ, right? And so we consider all of our family relationships, our wives or your husbands or our children or our brothers and our sisters, I'm trying to get you to see as of last week, this four-week series, I'm trying to get you to see that that's how the Lord views the church. He views it as a family where we come together and we do life together. Uh, I love this artwork. Uh, Cody and I worked on this and it's you know, it's supposed to be the, the face. I think Jesus looked like that. I, I, we, we hand sketched. No, I'm kidding. We didn't hand sketch it. But that, that's, that's Jesus, right? Uh, uh, figuratively speaking. Uh, and then this is a neighborhood, right? All these little houses uh, from, you know, from the bird's eye view, if you will, are neighborhoods. How would Jesus live his life? How would Jesus, if Jesus was your neighbor, what would that experience be like? You ever thought about that? If he was your next door, I'd be like, hey, I'm feeling a little sick today. How about a little touch? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, hey, Jesus, I overdrafted my account. Can I get a little twinkle? You know what I mean? Like put a little couple dollars in there for me, you know? I mean, how would it be? I don't know. I mean, that's really cool to think about, though, isn't it? I mean, that's really cool. I would love to be Jesus' neighbor. I would, I would venture to say that it probably wouldn't be the way we think it is. Uh, but it's a fun thought. It's a fun thought. I think that we can look at the life of Jesus. We can look at the life of Christ within the Gospels, within God himself, and we can determine how Jesus would live today, what church life would look like if he was here. Church life last week, the intro, it's a family. It is a family. Now, this week, uh, we're going to focus on relationships. Now, we've talked about relationships. We've gone through the book of Romans, uh, and there was a lot to do with how we get along internally. But uh, there's more to it than that. There's more to it than just internal relationships. And I'm sorry I got to eat this cough drop, but my voice is fading. And <laughs> That's like the worst, isn't it? People like start moving it around in the microphone. Oh, I didn't do it that time. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I apologize ahead of time for eating a cough drop while I'm preaching. But anyway, church life relationships. Uh, let's just jump in here. I, maybe I'm going to give you a concept here in the next couple minutes 
that you've never really processed before. And and that's why we're doing this series, right? For folks that have been walking in church for years and years and years, right? You've been doing life with the Lord for decades. And then others, this is maybe your fourth week in church. Maybe this is your first week in church. Maybe you're watching online for the first time and you're like, dude, this guy is all over the place. Wonderful. Thank you for joining us. And yes, I am. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) but we're having fun. So anyway, um, this is like a concept that we all need to kind of like reckon with and um, get the Lord's perspective on. So relationships, let me blow your mind here real quick. Our God has modeled relationships and community perfectly. Our God has. God within himself shows love, devotion, deference, and unity. Now, this is like the concept of when people talk about the Trinity. Anybody ever heard that? The Trinity or a triune God. Tri meaning what? Like a tricycle. It has how many tires? Wow. You guys are so smart. (laughs) So good. This is going to be an easy concept for you. I've heard some people describe God, the Trinity. Mike, have you ever heard this? As an egg. You ever heard that? There's an, an egg has how many parts? There's the shell, and then the white, and then the what? The yolk. Okay, there's three parts. God's like an egg. I I think that's a little oversimplification, personally. For me, the egg illustration doesn't really do it for me. Uh, Because I I think we, and this is me speaking from a personal place, right? I think we wrestle with the idea of him being one, but also three. Am Am I right on that? We wrestle with, so we look for illustrations that bring it all together. He's like an egg. He's an egg. And people that are like non-Christian are like, what do you mean he's three, but he's in one? It's like an egg. (laughs) You know, and you're like, pull one out of your pocket. You're always ready to give your illustration about this is God right here. You know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? I don't know. But it's like, we really, we feel like we have to force these molds. And here's, here's what I'm saying. God is so big. So strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God. Anyway, uh, (laughs) I'm all over the place today. I've had way too much coffee, and this should be interesting. But uh, he's very complex. He's God. He's the supreme being of the universe. Once again, how many have seen the new Thor movie? Oh, my goodness. Two of you? What's wrong with you people? Look, we can't connect with people if we don't watch movies and understand pop culture, okay? Man, love and Thor, love and thunder, watch it. It's woke. There's homosexuality in it. There's homosexuality in everything, okay? Are we all right? Like, we're going to be okay. It, listen, you don't have to, like, you're, you're not a little kid where you watch a movie and then you go put on the suit. You know what I mean? And then, like, we can discern between what's real and what's fake. Can we not? Right? Being in the world, you can discern what's from Scripture and what's not, right? It's okay. It's going to be all right. This is going to help for the lesson later on. Anyway, uh, so that being said, there's like a really good, interesting, um, like, uh, divine council with Zeus and these other gods. It's pretty neat. It's pretty cool. Uh, I believe that there's some, like, substance to that. And obviously, the writers got it from somewhere. I would say they get it from a biblical model. But my point is is God is, according to the scriptures, the supreme being of the universe. And how he chooses to define himself is how we should define him. So if your construct or your example doesn't quite do it or it doesn't quite fit the mold or you don't quite understand, it's easier to say, 
I don't really get it all. I mean, God is so big, and he's like, God, he's the supreme being. I can kind of try to articulate what Scripture says and how Scripture uh, defines him. I can, I can kind of get in those waters and wade in a little bit, but he's still God, and I, I, his ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. I'm just trying to depict him. And so anyway, I think that the challenge is the fact that we have a hard time, I know me, this is totally me, but I have a hard time reconciling between his oneness and his triuneness. How he's one and three, and, and, and so sometimes I overlook the separation of God for the sake of him being one, right? But here's what I want to do. I want to put the focus today on the separation. So, my point today on relationships is that God has been, watch, watch, watch right here. God has been doing relationships before time. There's a reason why we are relational beings. There's a reason why, and some of you, a small minority are like, I don't like people. I would rather not be a relational being. Please don't talk to me, and God forbid you touch me. The only person I let hug me once a week is my pastor because he's a hugger. And I grit and bear it and I smile, but I really don't like it. Maybe that's you here. I don't know. But even though you might think you're not a communal being, you are. Why? Because that's how God made us. There are external reasons that have made you that way. External properties like life, like stuff happens where you're like, I don't want to be around people. But you need to identify that God didn't wire you like that. God didn't make you that way. The world has imposed that upon you, and they're robbing things like community from you. So y'all ready to wade in these waters a little bit? Touch the, touch the toe. This is probably going to, I can't be two weeks, Mike. This is why I hate four-week series. It's 1158. Listen fast. Okay, you ready? <laughs> Our God has modeled these things. Genesis 1, 26. Listen fast. I'm going to talk fast. Here we go. Verse 26. Then God said, let what? Let who? Hmm. Y'all are on it today. I said that in the first hour, the 9 o'clock. I said, let who? And I was by myself. I was like, oh, okay. It's us. <laughs> anyway. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness they will rule the fish of the sea the birds of the sky the livestock the whole earth and the creatures that crawl on it in creation here's a word right and it's it's actually in the first verse of the bible the bible says in the beginning god in the beginning god that word god is a hebrew comes from a hebrew word uh, the greek transliteration uh, elohim which is plural who would have thought? Mind-blowing. In the beginning, God, when you read your King James Bible or your CSB or whatever version, as long as it's a good one that you read, if you read in the beginning, God, you think God is one. God is by himself. He singularly created this whole thing, but in the language that it comes from, it's in the beginning, Elohim, in the beginning, plural, God, which is consistent with verse 26. When he goes to create man, he says, let us. Make man in our image. After our likeness, what we find is that the triune God is present from the beginning. He does this thing as a collaboration. He's like, hey, God, 
Let's make them in our image, after our likeness. So in creation, we see God in community before we ever got there. Before time began, God was doing life with himself. In the Godhead, in the counsel of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, the Word, the Spirit and the Father, in the counsel of God, they were doing life just fine. They were doing community from a place of completeness, of unity, of love. And they were good within within themselves. They didn't create you and I because they needed you and I. They created you and I because they wanted you and I. Let us make this creature in our image that can worship and have relationship with us. God isn't asking you to do something. And this is how we know. I think all the gods are the same. I think all religions are the same. This is just our version of it. I don't believe that. Our God acts differently than the other gods. God doesn't demand something of you that he hasn't already exemplified within himself. Every other God, peons, peasantry, do this. Sacrifice this. Our God says, I will sacrifice everything for you. Why? Because I know, God says, I know within myself how good community is. I know within myself what good relationships are and how this thing is supposed to work. I invited you along for the ride. When we think about it, we're like, oh my goodness. The earth was God's cosmic temple. Gardens are temple imagery in the ancient Near East. The Garden, of it, the Garden of Eden is like God saying, that's my temple, that's my abode, that's where my house is. I dwell in the high mountaintop places, and you will dwell with me. Men and women are creatures, human beings. I gave them a soul. They were made in my image, in my likeness, and they were made to dwell in my abode, in my temple. They were made to worship and do life with me as community. And sin entered in. And God said, I can't have you eating of the tree of life within the middle of the garden while our relationship is severed. I can't spend eternity with you in this state of separation, so therefore I will drive you far from the garden. I will put cherubim at the entrance of the garden. You will not be allowed to partake of the tree of life. Why? Because I now have to be the new tree of life. I now have to reconcile you to myself. I have to defeat what lies between us, the rift that has been created, the sin nature that is within your heart. I have to fix that problem. I have to do what you cannot do yourself. And after I do it, it's going to be a good news proclamation that goes out to the whole entire world that we can once again be in community together. We can dwell together. And the new garden, the new place... We're going to call it the gathering. It's going to be the church. And the temple will be in your heart until my new kingdom comes to the earth. I'm ready for that new kingdom. You know what I'm saying? What's that going to be like? It's going to be like birthday parties all the time. (laughs) Birthday week, 24-7. Yeah. Are you starting to get the picture? I'm trying to paint a picture for you that God does community really good. He does relationships. Here's what I want you to see, though. Mm. God was perfect within himself. But when sin entered and it wasn't so perfect, guess what he did? He left perfect. 
It was amazing. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting community within the Godhead. In other words, the Lord knew the price for our sin. And even though he was experiencing perfect community within himself, the love that God had was large enough to say, I'm not only going to have this relationship within my family of the Godhead, I'm going to pursue a relationship on the outside. That's the biblical model for relationships. And unfortunately, the sad fact is, is when people find the church, they're like, this is amazing. I found the church. This is really cool. You know, I got friends in low places. I'm just kidding, in high places. I was going to sing that song for karaoke, and I chickened out. Man, I'm so bad. I've got to go to another concert, and, and I'm going to do it the next time, Terry. No, but anyway. Alan Stone, look him up. Best artist of all time, I'm telling you. Anyway. <laughs> you get into the church family, into the church community, and you're like, oh, yeah, this is good. I've got community, and I'm going to raise my kids with people who believe the same, and it's safe, safe, a safe place. That's one half. That's how it was before the beginning. What about the second half? What about the incarnation? What about Jesus leaving perfect community to go find others? What about Jesus leaving perfect community for the sake of others to have perfect community? This is, this is the problem. This is the Achilles heel with church, is it becomes a comfortable place to have relationships with people, and we forget about the other half. We forget that God is both happy and content within himself, but he also did the hard thing and sent Jesus. Mm. Okay? So we see it in the incarnate, we see it in creation, but we also see Jesus in a triune God in the incarnation. Listen to this scripture. Matthew 3, 16 through 17. When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove coming down on him, and a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well what? pleased. You see all three of them. You know, like when your kid gets baptized, and you're like standing up here with your phone, Oh my goodness, Junior, I'm so proud of you. I hope that's how you are. But like, we're so proud, and we're doing life together. That was how God's baptism was. Jesus was being baptized, and the Father was like, hey, it's my son. And the Holy Ghost was like flying around like a dove. Like a dove, I don't know what it, how it looked, but do you see the family element at Jesus' baptism? Do you see it? It's all there. He's like, I'm getting back. He's probably a little embarrassed. That's my father. John was like, whoa, that's cool. And then here comes the Holy Ghost, like, all right, everybody's present. He wouldn't miss it for the world. We don't think like that, though, do we? We're like, oh, yeah, Jesus' baptism, heaven opened up. No, his family was there for him. They've been doing community forever, before time began, before the boundary of sun and moon and tides and turnings and night and day. God was good within himself. He wouldn't miss a moment. That's, oh man, Whew. I get the chill. That's why it's so incredible to think what happened on the cross when his father said, I've got to turn my back. Father, Father, why hast thou 
forsaken me. The only time the rift in the Godhead was ever experienced, that separation was because of us. Man, you need to feel the weight of the relational quality, the community quality of our God. Here's the thing. Sometimes in our church life, we transition to relationship within the church and we choose not to pursue external relationships. And that's very problematic. Very. We need to hit a reset button today on our relationships. It ain't just about who's in this room. That is part of it. We talked about that last week. But if you're not actively engaging in community outside of this church, then you're missing a component of your relationship with the Lord. Jesus had a mission. How many would agree? Jesus had a mission. For God so loved the what? The world. Are you considering, stay with me, I gotta move quick. Are you considering Jesus's mission in your day-to-day life? I'm gonna say it again. Are you considering Jesus's mission in your day-to-day life? Revelation 21 and eight, it says, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters. And then it says, and all liars shall have their part in a lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the what? Second, I quoted it in King James because I ain't got time. Do you understand what I'm saying? You, you say, well, well, it's murderers. Murderers deserve hell. What's the last sin in the list? And all what? You ever told a lie? When I talked to Miss Beth, her daughter had just been stabbed. And what did she say? Daughters. She says, I, I hope that I, I hope that the perpetrator, I hope that I hope that he finds the Lord. I'm like, oh, I just want to rip him one side of you know what I mean? Mm. Immediately her thought was forgiveness. It's amazing the Lord gives grace in those moments when we need it. Why? Why does God give grace like that? Why can't we? God is a God of justice. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And he is a God that allowed his son to endure the wrath so that every sinner could go free. Not willing that any should perish, but that all, even the ones you don't like, should come to repentance. And there's something special when God's children endure that trauma and the Lord gives grace and he says, they're a soul, soul too. The world sees that. I hope that story's told one day, and I hope it impacts millions of people. The Lord is there, and he's with her in those moments. But here, here's why. Because there is a hell. We don't talk about this a lot. There's a second death. It wasn't meant for you or I. There's a place reserved for the Satan figure, Maybe some call them one-third angels. I would say other gods, other principalities and powers in this world. The Lord will defeat all of them and throw them in the lake of fire at the end. But guess who else goes there? All who were deceived by them. All who decided not to just simply accept what Jesus has done. Do you know it's the easiest thing to declare your loyalty to Jesus? It's, very, it's not an easy life to live but it's an easy decision. And it's for everybody. 
Let, let me explain something to you. Jesus had a mission. He came to seek and to save that which was what? Lost. Your neighbor, your coworker, your family member, your friend, if they don't know Jesus and they die, they will be separated from him for forever. Understand that God made this thing from the beginning to be what? Inclusive. I want a family. I want to do life with everyone. And the enemy is causing a rift. He's causing a division. And he's trying to say, all of you don't believe in Jesus. Don't believe what he did 2,000 years ago, even though it's widely accepted, even though it's widely documented, even though it, it literally 1,500 years, 66 books, 40 different authors, and it all coincides the Lord revealed himself to humanity for the sake of winning them to himself. And you, you are a part of that. You, your job, your mission is Jesus' mission to win others to Jesus, not to yourself. Church, there's a hell. There is a life separated from Jesus for all eternity. Do you, have you? Have you come to terms with that? But I, I just don't want to bring up church. I mean, it's tough, you know. Okay. Sorry, chewing on my cough drop. Probably the worst times. You are uncomfortable having that conversation, so therefore you're not going to tell them. Oh, okay. Well, what happens if the unthinkable happens and they never hear it, and you were the one sent to tell them? At some point, we have to see the bigger picture. At some point, you have to see that your marriage sucks and needs work because other people are looking at two saved people's marriage that's awful. And there's a bigger reason for your marriage to actually be a picture of God's grace. So get over your problems. Why? Because there are people watching you that are unsaved, that need and deserve a godly example because you got a godly example somewhere along the line. You believed it. You put your faith in trust. Can we get over our petty problems because there's a hell? Can you go into an uncomfortable situation? Can you talk about the Lord? Can you talk about Jesus? I'm not asking you to memorize the Bible. I'm just saying, tell somebody what he did for you. Man. Church life is not just coming to church and doing a relationship in here. It's doing it out there. Half of it is out there. Ah, okay. Okay. All right. Off. Listen to this. Jesus had a mission. He also had some methods. I love this passage. Come on now. Mark 2, 13 through 17. Jesus went out again beside the sea. The whole crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. This is the life of Jesus. <sighs> then, passing by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, who would be a disciple, sitting at the tax office. Can anyone think of something that they hate more than taxes? I can't. <laughs> I hate taxes. And these people, they were known for not just collecting taxes, but collecting a lot more than that. They were hated. Jesus saw a dude that people hated. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. What's the difference? 
difference between you and Jesus. You see somebody you don't like and you go, huh. And you walk the other way. Jesus goes up to them and he says, follow me. And the person that knows that everyone hates them says, you want to do relationship with me? I'm going to follow you. You'd be shocked at that person, your enemy. You'd be shocked at how your enemy would react to you extending love. We never do it, though. This is what Jesus did. Now, wait, it gets better. The story gets way better. And he followed him. Verse 15, while he was reclining at the table in Levi's house, not only did Jesus say, you'll follow me. Let's go. He said, where are we going? We're going to your house. Jesus, <laughs> my man is the real OG. He's like, Levi, yeah, follow me. Okay, where are we going? Your house. He's reclining at the table in Levi's house. Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples. <laughs> Can you imagine the disciples? They're probably like, food's good. <laughs> Everybody make sure you got your wallets that so you're sitting, sitting on them. <laughs> this is crazy. They're eating with tax collectors. Many tax collectors, I love what Mark says here, and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who were following him. Verse 16, when the scribes who were Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he told him, Hey, uh, it's not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. His method was entirely different. When was the last time you smelled like a sinner? I didn't say we're a sinner. We know Jesus was there. We know Jesus was chilling. He was reclining. He was hanging out with sinners. He probably smelled, let's just use cigarette smoke. That's an easy one, right? It's associated in our mind with bad things. And it is very bad for you. I'm not judging you. I'm saying you should quit because I'd like to have you around. It's 2022. Is that what year it is? No one should smoke. <laughs> yeah, don't do it. <laughs> it's bad for your health. But the point is, is smoke a cigar instead. No, I'm kidding. But seriously. <laughs> When was it, think about this. A pastor said this at a conference I was, I was at just a, a, maybe a month or so ago. When was the last time you smelled like a sinner? We are so good at coming to church, putting on whatever our best is, right? Here it's casual, it's okay. But like we, we get dressed for church, we hang out, we do the safe thing. We have our children around, people that are safe, Right, where, where it's like, it's okay. You know, we know that they're not going to be influenced one way or another. The safe thing. But when was the last time you were like, what I'm going to do, this relationship is not safe. It's actually very challenging. I'm going to have to be careful what I say from their perspective, not my own. And, and, and then on top of this, like, I'm going to smell like cigarette smoke. Proverbially, You understand what I'm saying? I'm going to have to deal with the messiness of the fact that they don't believe the way I believe and they don't live the way I believe. Look, church, right here. Come on. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? The Pharisee says, what's he doing hanging out with them? I mean, what he's doing is seeking and saving those that are lost. And unfortunately, many of the church people that think that they're saved, we know from Matthew, are not. They're caught in their own good works. They're caught in their own goodness. So therefore, they don't need Jesus. Jesus is like, look, I'm here for people who think they're sick. You clearly don't think you're sick. When was the last time we smelled like a sinner? We get really good at saying how we're not sinners anymore because our whole lives are changed. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't smell like one. Are you putting a priority on your proximity to lost people? Mm. Okay, all right. Good talk, church, good talk. Not only were his methods different, Right? We see here, he, he had a mission, he had some methods. He didn't let anybody off the hook. Before he leaves, check this out, Matthew 28, 16 through 20. We'll be done at 1230, I promise. <clears throat> the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee to maintain where Jesus had directed them. When, he saw, when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What are we going to do when we stand before the Lord and he says, why didn't you go? That was the command. I just, it was an awkward conversation. Okay. Why didn't you invite your neighbor to dinner? They're just not church people oh, so we're just in it for people who think the way you think and act the way you act. And Church, like we, we need to consider and think about the command that Jesus gave. We need to think about how he did it and then how he's telling us to do it. Is that what our churches look like? Is it like us just having community with each other and that's it? Or are we putting a priority on getting with lost people? Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 9. I don't know of a single dude who internalized the methods and mission of Jesus more than Paul. Would you agree? I mean, my man was like, literally, my whole life is going to be changed right now, and I'm going to do this thing. It's going to be crazy. I'm breaking it off with my, people think, I'm breaking it off with my fiance. I'm going to be single, and I'm going to give my whole life to getting the gospel to the world, right? Specifically, the Gentile nations. Paul put it this way. He says, to the weak, I became weak in order to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that I might by every possible means save some. Now I do all this because of the gospel that I may share in the blessings. <laughs> Your homework for the week is to read Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. That's your homework. It's a, it's a perfect way for you to live your life in relationships, and it's in the program. I want to give you just a few tips, and then I'm going to send you home. The first tip. Does everybody get the message of what I'm saying today? Internal, external. We have to be concerned with the lost. Let me give you some tips to get there. The first thing, model relationships that everybody would want. If you try to reach out and get to know lost people when your current relationship statuses are garbage, it's not going to work. <laughs> I'm going to have the neighbor over for dinner. 
and they've heard you guys fighting every night because the windows have been open. It's fall. Hello, come on in for dinner. Pastor said church life is loving others. I prepared a five-course dinner. <laughs> Look, it would be better for you to text them and be like, yo, I got McDonald's on the way. Come over, let's hang out and just be genuine. Nothing worse than somebody who has a really terrible marriage telling other people how to have a good marriage. Love that. My favorite. <laughs> The first best way to have other relationships that lead to people's salvation is to model good relationships in your life. A friend that wants friends or has friends must what? Show himself friendly, the scripture says. If you don't have friends, chances are you're not friendly. Sorry. <laughs> fix you. Fix your relationships and model good relationships. Here, here's here's the, the point. Model relationships that everyone would want. Say it with me. Model relationships. Those two words, ready? Model relationships. One more time. Model relationships that everybody would want. Is that simple enough? Come on, church. Is that simple enough? Here's the relationship. Paul says in Romans 12, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I became all things to all men that I might by all means save some. I want to do relationships with anybody and everybody. Yeah, this is great. The Pharisees say, what are you doing eating with them? Do you see the difference? One is modeling a relationship that everybody wants. The other is inclusive. My community. Let me say this. I think a a huge problem with people, just a little tidbit for marriage, okay? Not saying my wife and I have a perfect marriage. She's perfect. I am not. <laughs> Here's the point, though. Teenagers, that's called brownie points. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Here's the thing. Where was I going with that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tip for marriage. I don't remember the tip, though. <laughs> What's good is this. We still have problems just like everybody else, but we have a mission. And so many times when things become unglued, you understand when I'm married people, you understand what I'm saying. When it goes like this, there are times when you're like this. And then there are other times when you're like this. When you're like this, what pulls us together is we say, we have a mission. I feel a certain kind of way about this, but I feel stronger about Jesus and representing him in our relationship. The problem is, is you all just come to church, and church is just another relationship. It's not a life's mission. So therefore, marriage is the only mission that you have. And then husbands and wives get to the the point in their relationship where they're like, I just don't want to do life with you anymore because their marriage and their life was the mission. No, 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 no. There's something external that is feeding our internal relationship. So therefore, when external properties like money, right, and, and job and other friends, they suggest for the, the oneness to separate, you go, what therefore God hath joined together, no man will put us under. Why? Because we have a mission. If many of you start modeling relationships, I'm not telling you to be fake. 
I'm just telling you to get a purpose in your marriage. It'll get you through some hard times. Number one, model relationships. Number two, make adjustments to any relationship for greater inspiration and inclusion. If you look around and all your friends look the same, you're not doing it right. If you're white and you only have white friends, there's something wrong. And it goes both ways. But we have to model for what? Inclusion and inspiration. So what does that mean? Make what? Adjustments. Make what? Adjustments. Here's what I'm saying. Some of you people only eat chicken nuggets and french fries, and you're very strange people. <laughs> My children are the same way, right? Some of you guys have the palate of a five-year-old, and that's okay. <laughs> I'm being very offensive right now, and it's okay. You'll be okay. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, you'll be all right. All right, thank you, good. Some of y'all have the palate of a five-year-old. This is a very uh, a tangible illustration. Eat something somebody else likes. Why would I do that? I don't like it. Do something you don't like for the inclusion of someone else. Make adjustments. Say it with me. Make adjustments. What's church life? Church life is doing things you don't like to do. Listen up now. Come on now. Hey, hey. I'm being so handsy. It's church. You hear me? <laughs> Make adjustments. Here's, here's The fact that we literally say, I don't want to eat that. We don't even teach our children anymore, shut your mouth and eat your green beans. Someone cook those, and you're going to eat them. You understand what I'm saying? Why are you doing it? Because it's disrespectful at the dinner table to act like, meh. We tell our children to make adjustments, and maybe you don't anymore, and you should. We'll, we'll deal with that later. <laughs> Relationally, we have to be willing to do things that are, are different cultures, different mindsets, different mentalities. Do you understand what I'm saying? Make what? Adjustments. Don't be so stuck in your ways. Don't be so black and white. I don't like that. Open it up. It's going to be all right. Do you understand what I'm saying? Eat something you don't like because somebody else likes it. I became all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Chances are, if you're unwilling to change your diet, and Ryan, I'm not talking to you. If you're celiacs, don't go against it. Stay gluten-free, bro. I love you. <laughs> this isn't a health issue. I'm saying, like, if you're unwilling to even bend your diet, chances are you're unwilling to bend your personalities. Chances are you're unwilling to sit with people that are different than you. It's a problem. Number three, in, in the end, ah, it's 1230. This is it. Move toward any and every relational opportunity and allow your biblical boundaries to shape and form them. Move toward, say it with me, move toward. Number one was model relationships. Number two was make adjustments. Number three, move what? Toward any and every relational opportunity and allow your biblical boundaries to shape and form them. Jesus didn't sin hanging out with sinners. How do I do that, pastor? How do I move toward any relationship? I got a past. I got things I struggle with. Don't you think the Lord knows that? Don't you think he gave you the Holy Ghost for these things? Here's three things that you can have to protect yourself while you're branching out. Number one, a biblical mentor. How are you going to do relationships with others when you don't have a biblical mentor? You're going to stay right where you're at until you have a biblical mentor that says, hey, get out there. Biblical priorities. 
You need biblical priorities before you go jumping into external relationships. Number three, and last, your attitude. Your attitude needs to be right towards other people. The first time you get together with somebody who's on the outside and who says something politically different than you, if you can't control your mouth, it's not time for you to be reaching out to other people. If someone says, man, I voted for Biden, and you're like, honey, get the gun. You got a problem. I can have dinner with people who look different, act different, and vote different than me. I don't really care. And I mean that. Abortion! Ah! I get that. But do you understand that they don't believe in it either? They just have a different perspective. This world's a big place. Everybody nod your head up and down real quick for me. It's going to be all right. Say, we're having fun. Everybody say it together. We're having fun. I could preach this all day, and you've obviously seen that. Here we are, past 1230. It's church life. We can do better, yes? Thank you for watching and joining us for our church online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.